read. Let's pray again. Father God, thank you for the Bible. Thank you that it is trustworthy and true. And I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would rest on me, that I could bring your word to your people today as you desire for me to do, to the glory and honor of Jesus. We thank you and we praise you for all that you're doing in our lives and all that you continue to do and for the promise of, and destiny that you have for each and every one of us and for us corporately. May it be fulfilled to the glory and honor of Jesus. For we pray all this in his name. Amen. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Anon near Salim, uh, Salim, because water was plentiful there, and people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been put in prison. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom, who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, his joy, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, as you know, we're looking for that time when God decides to pour out his Holy Spirit in another great awakening or another major revival that uh, we believe will come maybe, uh, and hopefully we're praying, that will start even this year. Uh, So many things are starting to converge, and we're looking for this, and I can see a stirring in us. Uh, the attacks and things that we've gone through, the struggles with discouragement and, and discomfort, and, and some people have felt disoriented and, and uh, a bit confused and, and struggled in a number of ways. And all of these are, are indicators of spiritual attack. And so many people have been going through this, and you kind of wonder, okay, what's happening? Is there something wrong with me? But no, there's not. 
You know, it's just as Christine said in a word that she gave with our elders meeting uh, at our last elders meeting, that this is about a a transition period uh, leading toward a major birth. And in that season, there's a lot of things that are uncomfortable. You feel very weak. You feel very vulnerable. But it's absolutely essential if that baby is going to come forth. And if we're we're not actually giving the birth in this sense, uh, but we're part of this transition experience, and that begins to make sense of all of this. Uh, Also, it's no wonder that the enemy wouldn't want to attack us to try to get us to quit. You know, it's been very easy and very tempting just to quit, to walk away, uh, not to continue to press in, not to continue to be involved. And I have often found in my life that the temptation to quit is, ju- is the strongest just before the breakthrough comes. And so it's important to press in and not give up uh, and keep going and keep going until we can't go any longer. Uh, and the same is true, as I understand. I've never given birth myself, obviously. Uh, but the same is true uh, for a lot of women who've given birth. Uh, they've talked about that. And they say, you know, sometimes they just want to quit. They want to give up. They want to stop the whole thing. Uh, but you, obviously, you can't do that. You just have to press on and, and push on uh, and go on through all of that. And so we're in this season, and we're in this season of preparation even ourselves, as we've called this uh, a season of clearing out, where God has brought some things down, and he's actually caused a a decrease, and and he's assigned people to different places, to different churches, and things like that. Uh, And uh, and it's a time where we've simplified our ministry, we've simplified the kinds of things we're doing. Uh, In a sense, overall, we're doing a little bit less than maybe we were doing a couple of years ago. But that's all part of this process. That's all part of this thing that is coming and this thing that God is doing in us. And the temptation is in all of this uh, to make this about us, about our comfort, about our situation. But it's not really about us. Uh, It's not about us at all. But the other thing I've noticed that God is doing in so many, uh, as I've talked with them in the church, we have a hunger and a desire to see the 7.5 million people within 15 miles of where we are right now come to faith in Jesus Christ. But there is no way that we can make that happen. We don't have enough uh, uh, attention from people. Uh, We don't have enough power. We don't have enough money. Uh, We don't have enough advertising clout. Uh, We don't have our own Google uh, or search engine or something to make this happen. There's no way that we, in and of ourselves, uh, are going to see 7.5 million people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so we, we have this sense, though, not, uh, not of passivity, not of defeatism, but a real sense growing in among us that there is this desire to see God move and that unless God moves, there's nothing we can do to make it happen. Sure, we'll still uh, share Jesus. We'll still follow Jesus. Uh, if God doesn't pour out his spirit, we'll still worship him. We'll still honor him. But we know that there's no way to reach seven and a half million people with the gospel of Jesus Christ unless Jesus does something really, really incredible. And so that has put us in this situation where we need Jesus to appear 
in great power and great authority. We need Jesus to move as we know that Jesus wants to move. Because this is not something that we have to beg God for. We're not in a, 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 an atmosphere saying, God, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please do this. I know you don't want to. I know that you'd rather send seven and a half million people to hell. You know, so please change your mind. No, God wants to see everybody saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That's his desire. And he's made a way for that to happen in Jesus Christ. His death and resurrection can pay the price for all sin. The problem is that not everybody will accept that payment. And so we have to understand the times and the seasons and what God is doing in our midst and as much as possible to prepare ourselves for what God is going to do. To be ready as much as possible because you can never be fully ready. You can prepare yourself. It's a bit like a hurricane coming. There's a lot of things you can do to get ready if you're in hurricane territory when it's coming, but you'll never be fully ready. And when the Spirit of God is poured out, it's like a hurricane or a tsunami or a tornado and, and the great power and you can't control it, uh, but you, you have to allow God to accomplish everything He wants to do uh, in this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So how do we get ready? And John is a great example. And John the Baptist and the commentary made by John the Apostle follow in this story give us some key insights that we need to remember to get our hearts ready for what God is going to do. And this is true not only for this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but it's true if you want God to come and meet you at a point in your life. If you are asking God to come and say, God, I need you. I don't know about this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but I need you in my situation right now. I don't know about this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but right now I need you to work for me. I need something. I need a breakthrough. I need something to happen. The same dynamics are true for you in this moment as it will be true for all of us in this mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So what do we learn here? Well, to set the context, as you know, Jesus came to John. John said, whoa, okay, this is the one. This is the Messiah. It's the one I told you about. He who came uh, after me is greater than me because he was before me. Uh, and, uh, and he pointed to him. And several of John's disciples immediately went and followed Jesus. And so there was a time where Jesus' disciples were uh, baptizing as he went out and he was teaching them. And John and his disciples were baptizing, but more and more people were starting to go to Jesus and fewer people coming to John and they were having debates and things like that. And so the disciples came, uh, John's disciples came to him and said, they were a little bit discouraged and said, John, you know, aren't you concerned that that guy that you pointed out, there are actually more people going after him than are coming here. Your ministry is going down. Your support is going down. You were a really popular guy there for a while, but he's taken away all your popularity. Uh, aren't you concerned about this? And then John says a, number, a couple of things that are very significant. The first, he says, don't you know that you do not receive anything unless it comes to you from heaven? The first thing we need to understand that comes out of John the Baptist's attitude is that everything in our lives comes from God. Every blessing that we have, every ministry that we have, 
uh, our jobs, if we have a job, our homes, if we have a home, our clothes, if we have clothes, our relationships, if we have relationships, everything is from heaven. We cannot get anything by working hard for it. We cannot get anything by, by striving after it. Now, that doesn't mean that hard work is unimportant. Obviously, hard work is important. But to think that anything is going to come simply by our effort is a delusion. It's a delusion. And John says, hey, this ministry that I have, it came to me from heaven. So it's not mine. I just have it for a season. It's, it's a bit the, the attitude of stewardship. You know, as Christians, we're not owners of anything. You don't own anything. You don't own your life. You don't own your time. You don't own your family. You don't own your house. I mean, that's one of the great things about the UK. Uh, this whole leasehold concept in terms of the land. In the States, a lot of people have the delusion that they actually own their house and they own their land. Uh, but actually here, uh, you, can, you can have possession of the house but not have the land. And you can learn that at the end of that leasehold. Well, well what I thought I owned, I don't really own. Uh, and we are just stewards. We are caretakers of all that has come to us from heaven. And in order to be ready for God to move in our lives, we have to have this attitude, not one thing comes to me unless it comes to me from you, God. Not one thing comes to me unless it comes from above. I look to you for all my blessings. I look to you for my ministry, for my success. Everything, my healing, whatever it is, it's going to come from you. It's going to come from you. Because so often what we do is we try to make things happen. It would be a bit like John the Baptist. He could have gone out and started going uh, uh, just a, a, a mile or so from where Jesus was preaching and he preached and he could be baptizing there and doing all kinds of things to try to draw people back to him, you know, giving an incentive. Uh, he, he liked to eat, I think, locusts and honey. So, uh, you know, come and be baptized and get a free lunch of locusts and honey. Uh, he could have done all these kinds of things, but he didn't do that because he realized everything comes from above. And if it starts to, to go away, then maybe that's in God's plans as well. God is in control of our lives, the ebb and flow of our lives, and we give that to him. And that's the first thing that John the Baptist discovered. And it's so essential for us. And then he goes on. He says, hey, essentially what he's saying, this is the way it was supposed to happen. I knew it was going to happen this way. Now, does that make it easy for John? It doesn't. It doesn't make it easy for John. In fact, we know a little bit later on, John's in prison, and he sends his disciples to say to Jesus, hey, Jesus, man, I'm struggling here. Are you the one who was to come, or really, should I be looking for somebody else? Because it seemed like Jesus, the one he was looking for, was disappointing him at that stage. And it wasn't because Jesus wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. He was, is that John just had a wrong frame of reference. And he needed some correction there. And so John goes on, he says, hey guys, this is the way it's supposed to happen. Uh, because I'm, I'm, I'm not the bridegroom, I'm just a friend of the bridegroom. And now that the bridegroom, Jesus, is here, he must increase and I must decrease. What a great statement. He must increase, and I must decrease. And one of the challenges that happens whenever there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit is there are a lot of people who want to increase. 
They say, okay, now it's my chance. Now it's my turn to have a big ministry. Now people are going to come to me. Now people are going to follow me. And one of the things you discover in history is that God tends to use very strange people at strange times in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And many times he bypasses old, uh, old not meaning gray-haired, but old meaning long-term church leaders. And it's because they don't have a heart that's ready to receive. And they're wanting something for themselves. They're not wanting the exaltation of Jesus. And so the motto that we need to have, the cry of our heart needs to be like John's. You must increase, Jesus, and I must decrease. And that's true in every place of our lives. Sometimes we want stuff just for ourselves. Now, that's not necessarily wrong. It's not wrong to enjoy ourselves. It's not wrong to have a relationship or have a holiday or have a home or any of those things that we enjoy. Those are all, that's all okay. But sometimes what we do is that we make it about us. We make it about my enjoyment, my pleasure, rather than saying, Jesus, I want to serve you. Put me in a place of blessing so that you can be exalted. Let this you increase and let me decrease. Let the attention go to you, Jesus, not to me. Let the honor go to you and not to me. Let the glory go to you and not to me. You must increase and I must decrease. And throughout history, when there's been an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the people who have carried that outpouring the longest are the people who have said, Jesus needs to be magnified and increased. Don't look at me. Look at Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And if you want breakthrough in your life, at your point of need right now, make it about Jesus, not about you. Make it about a declaration where Jesus will increase even as we will decrease. And then after that, and, uh, and some, some commentators think that John the Baptist is still talking here, but actually what goes on from, from that verse is probably John the Apostle who is writing the text. And so he's giving his commentary here. And John the Apostle says two things, points out two things that are absolutely essential. The first could be uh, summarized a little bit. He, He picks up, let me jump in the text. Verse 31, he says, He who comes from above is above all. Uh, and then he goes down in several other places. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Uh, and so what John is doing is saying that this is all about the exaltation of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who is above all. Jesus is the one who is great. Jesus is the one who has ordered the universe. Jesus is the one who is in control. Jesus is the one who is in authority. Jesus is the one to whom the Father has entrusted this ministry. Jesus is the one who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus is the one who died on the cross and rose from the dead. Jesus is the one who came from above, who lived amongst us to be like one of us in every way except without sin, died on the cross, rose from the dead, and ascended into heaven and one day we'll come again. This is all about our lives, our existence, is all about the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Everything has to point to Jesus. Our lives have to be lived to Jesus. 
Our faith, we believe in Jesus. Everything is centered on Jesus because Jesus is from above and is above everything. It's not about ministry. It's not about success. It's not even about seeing seven and a half million people saved. It's about seeing Jesus glorified in seven and a half million people's lives so that they follow Jesus. Jesus is above everything. And we always have to keep our attention and our focus on Jesus. It's so easy for us to keep our, uh, put our focus on the things that are happening to us. It's so easy for us to focus on the things that are troubling us, uh, the discomfort that we're feeling, the disorientation, all the things that we're dealing with. It's so easy for us to focus on that. But if you start to focus on that, if you start to focus on what's wrong, you'll never focus on the one who is right, and that's Jesus. And so we have to keep our focus in on Jesus because it's all about Jesus. And the way that we do that, John hints at it here, he says you have to believe, that is you have to have faith and you have to obey. Having faith doesn't make Jesus Lord, Jesus is Lord, whether or not you have faith. And obeying doesn't make Jesus Lord, Jesus is Lord whether or not you obey. But if you understand that it's all about Jesus and Jesus is the focus in your life right now as well as in any outpouring of the Holy Spirit, anything that might happen, then believing Jesus and obeying Jesus is the natural outflow. Believing and obeying is the natural response to the realization that Jesus Christ is above all. And so we keep the focus on Jesus. As John said, he must increase And we must decrease. And then there's one final comment in here to encourage us. And it's what John the Apostle says, the one who's experienced the day of Pentecost, the one who has seen the sick healed and the dead raised. He says that he gives, Jesus gives the Spirit without measure. Jesus gives the Spirit without measure. He's given the Spirit right now, and the Holy Spirit, He is here right now. He has given the Spirit without measure. When we cry out for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we're not crying out for God to do something, one, that He hasn't done before, and two, that He doesn't want to do again. We're actually aligning ourselves with the plans and purposes of God so that when He does give that spirit without measure in a way that's manifested in us, we're ready. We're ready. But we're not begging God for the Holy Spirit. He's already promised the Holy Spirit. And even at your point of need, even at that place in your life where you might be struggling, He's not withheld the Holy Spirit from you. He gives the Spirit without measure. And so you need to invite and position, invite the Holy Spirit and position yourself to cooperate with Him in whatever He's calling you to do, in whatever He wants you to do. God gives the Holy Spirit without measure. And there are times and seasons where the Holy Spirit is poured out in a very visible way, where the Holy Spirit is manifested in a way that causes great disruption. And there are times and seasons where the Holy Spirit flows like a deep, deep river in our lives and we flow along with that river in the course of our lives. 
But regardless, God, Jesus, has given the Holy Spirit and continues to give the Holy Spirit without measure. And so we can say, come Holy Spirit, come and fill me up again. Come Holy Spirit, come and fill up the church again. Come Holy Spirit, come and pour yourself out on this thirsty city to see Jesus exalted. Because when the Holy Spirit is poured out as the, Jesus gave the Holy Spirit without measure, the purpose is so that we could all be Christ's witnesses. So that Jesus would be exalted and Jesus would be glorified. So in that confidence, we can make these declarations in our lives and prepare ourselves for what God can do and wants to do in us. And God does want to meet you at your point of need. And God does want to see this city changed and the nations of the world changed with the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. And it is coming. Will we be ready is the key question. I'd like you to invite you to respond to this just briefly as the worship team uh, will come up here in just a moment and get with a person, uh, one or two people around you, uh, not too many, uh, but for the next minute or two, just ask God to pour out his Holy Spirit again. You might have a place of need in your own life and ask God to come into uh, your life at that point of need, uh, whatever that might be. Uh, It might be a passion that you have for people to get saved. Whatever it is, just spend a couple of minutes praying that Jesus would be glorified and that he would give the Spirit without measure in this time, in this season, in our lives. And then we'll start worship here in just a moment.